0: welcome to waking up to grace waking up to grace ministries if you guys haven't joined us before we're a social media ministry and we also have our own website uh that is uh one of the most e- exciting things that i'm I'm developing and working on in the background and it's come out pretty good so far i'd say i'm liking what it what's going on there and it's it's changed since we started uh changed around a bit and it's starting to refine, and, and the neat thing is that it's kind of come back around into what I originally saw it as being. I wanted it to be sort of a, a blog uh, post um, for, for people to both comment, read content, access that content easily, and um, <clears throat> things like that. And, uh, there's going to be a lot of purposes to our, our website. I have, I have one, I have one page on there that I think is pretty fun for, it's more geared towards a a non-believer, which most of our ministry, I'd say is geared towards Christians because, um, I think Christianity, um, as a, the, the whole doctrine of Christianity has just been corrupted by institutionalization. And, um, believing the one person at the head of the pulpit and, and not discerning for ourselves. And we, you know, we have, we have these Bibles, we have the Holy spirit that can guide us. And, um, you know, it, God willing, you know, we, we, we will discern things and, you know, we'll wake up. But, uh, right now you see a lot of people not woke up and, you know, so we, we want to help, you know, I was once one of those. And so I'm no, I'm no greater. I would be nothing, uh, if it weren't for Christ. And so I just I teach what I know. I teach what I've learned uh, spiritually Um, since I left that institutionalized mentality and God pulled me out of it. And um, so here uh, I'm going to be talking about Ananias and Sapphira. What is the deal with Ananias and Sapphira? What was truly going on there? This is an odd passage. It's terrifying. You think like, oh, does God kill Christians? Does God kill Christians for lying about money? You know, if anybody's ever read, the, you know, the, the book of Acts, it's it's the Acts of the Apostles. These are things that happened and you know, there's a lot going on there, a lot going on in the book of Acts that we can discern from and learn from and uh, a lot of interesting things and uh you know a lot of it is you know we we start to learn about uh you know some of the character flaws of the apostles themselves peter james uh um and paul had had uh sharp disputes with one another about doctrine about (laughs) about the law and grace it's very interesting um you know, I, ha- I actually have a message. Faith without works is dead. Explained where I get into that uh, that relationship thing that was going on in the book of Acts, and it's it's an important thing. I was my eyes were really opened when I saw that, really open. And uh, but I, the whole series goes through all these different angles you know, because it's like, yeah, could be wrong. You know, there were several ideas about James that you could explore. Maybe, maybe it didn't even belong in the Bible. Maybe it wasn't written by James, but the conclusion I found to be the most accurate was, uh, when I, when I wrote faith without works, Is dead explained. And, uh, so check it out if you're interested and, um, and check out our whole, all all of our content for that matter. I, I know my wife and I really enjoyed doing God's radical love. Um, Uh unleashed. That's what (laughs) it wasn't coming to God's Radical Love Unleashed. That was a really fun series. And uh so yeah, anyhow, getting back to Ananias and Sapphira, what is the deal with that? Who killed them? Did God kill them? Did Peter kill them? All it says is that they fell dead. That's that's read. This is interesting. And then you got to ask yourself the question again: were they saved at all? Were they even Christians? were they even part of the community? And um, I believe we talked about this within one of our messages, but I wanted to kind of isolate it because it's it's another one of those passages that talks about the heart. And it could be confusing if we misinterpret this. Um, so let's read. This is the the not the 1984 version of NIV. I think it was 2011. They redid it. Um, this is what I'm reading from today. So All the believers, it says, and this is Acts chapter 4, verse 32, starting there. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on, let me see if I start in the right place. Nope, I wanted to start further back. Um, Peter had gotten back let's see believers pray Peter and John went back to their own people Um, and then it says after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly So uh, they got released, they were imprisoned, and then they got released, and they came back to this place, and the whole place was shaken. And uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So we start out with that. And then it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And now, one thing I wanted to look at: all one heart and mind. Is that, does that mean they didn't argue about anything? There was never any doctrinal problems, or is are they referring to that they are one heart in Christ, and uh, you know, one mind, you know, in Christ? But uh, as far as their focus, they understood the resurrection, they understood the finished work of the cross. But I don't think that means that there was perfection. And that they were walking around like one, like one person, all the same and in beautiful perfection. You know, there's you you don't see that in any of the early churches. So the the one heart, one mind, that's Christ. They all shared Christ, they all had that common ground of Christ. I just wanted to mention that something that crossed my mind the other day. Was the early church really any better than what we see today? Is it really that much different? It is different in many ways, but in a lot of ways, it's the same. There was legalism. There was actually believers like James that were hung up. If you read the book of Acts, you check it out. He wanted to put the Gentiles under law. You can't, you can't get around that. So, But they held Christ. They held Christ as uh, they were one in Christ. Still, despite that, God's grace was sufficient, evidently. And um, so, I mean, can we, can we be regenerated by legalism? No, but we can fall under it as Christians. So you know, it kind it of kind of goes hand in hand with you know, when you're you know, when you're out there saying, "Oh, I don't think that person's saved." Well, are you talking to a, a non-regenerate person, or are you talking to an infant in Christ? Or are you just talking to somebody who just hasn't grown? Because let's face it, if you if you're speaking to an infant. You know, there's not a whole lot of conversation going on there. <laughs> You're not really seeming to speak the same language, are you? If you were surrounded by a bunch of if you were a mature Christian, surrounded by a bunch of infant Christians that had not grown and developed in the spirit, you wouldn't really be speaking the same way. They they would kind of sound like goo goo gaga, and you'd be speaking, and you'd be in return, you get goo goo gaga. And then if you're speaking to a non-believer, it's kind of the same. You're speaking in the spirit. They're speaking in the realm of the flesh. And it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. None of it makes any sense. And kind of the same way that you're speaking to them, they're not hearing it. You're not speaking the same language. So, uh, you know, speaking to a a baby who's kind of babbling or speaking to a non-believer, it's hard to discern exactly. But, you know, i always I always say, like you know you know you're going to probably want to focus your fellowship and your connections with somebody of a deeper spiritual intellect. Well you know it's not like you're avoiding infants, you're not avoiding non-believers. Of course, you're trying to teach and grow them. but if if you if you put yourself, if you put them in the regards as your mentors and uh, people that are helping you grow in the spirit, Probably not going to be very helpful. Just just a thought, you know. Your, your infants aren't going to teach you how to grow <laughs> and mature. And neither are non-believers. But that's uh, that's just a little side note that I wanted to mention. So you know, some I think that we ought to uh, try to give uh, and be give grace and be charitable to to those who are struggling with things. Uh, we don't know uh, sometimes. I don't think it's that clear. Um, if they were regenerated and fell away, or if they were just never born again, it's God's to know. It's not it's not ours. Uh, we can speculate, we can we can make our own judgments, we can stay away from people that are doing things that are no good. That's just obvious. You know, I mean, it's you don't want to be around people that are a bad influence. So that's you know, I think the spirit teaches us who to be around. Let the spirit guide you in that way, and um. Anyhow, continue getting off track there, but getting back on. So the all the believers there were one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They, they were living in a commune, basically. They formed a commune. Uh, the persecution was was, I'm sure, so heavy that they were probably getting canceled from food and canceled from jobs, things like that. And so, uh, you know, they, they had to form their own communes. And um, it says they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to fe- testify to the resurrection. So they continued to testify. And so there's more testifying going on. And it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work with them all that they were, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a beautiful picture. Communism doesn't work very well in human societies uh, in the the realm of the flesh, but the Christians were pulling it off, and that's amazing. Normally somebody would rise to power and try to control everybody, but they had some kind of thing going. You know, Peter was taking the lead, he was collecting the money, and you'll see that here. there was no authority over one another in the church joseph a levite from cyprus whom the apostles called barnabas which means son of encouragement sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles feet so these guys were the ones distributing you know they must have decided this is how we got to organize bring it to us and we'll distribute it and um so then and then it goes on and it says now a man named ananias Almost seems like a change of subject, like almost like excluding him from this, all these people, (laughs) all the people that were uh, one in mind and spirit and were saved. It seems like a very uh, excluded verbiage. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. He's saying he lied to God. And so there's something interesting going on here. Satan has filled his heart? That's not at all in line with what the finished work of Christ teaches. He says Satan can't touch us. None of the supernatural forces can touch us, let alone come inside of us. We can't be possessed. So Satan filled this guy's heart. So if you combine that with the now a man named Ananias sounding so like to be excluding him, how would Satan fill the heart of a believer? It doesn't. It doesn't. There's so many indications here that are just obvious. There's no possible way Ananias and Sapphira were believers. And then when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me. Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. This is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So, Satan according to Peter, filled Ananias' heart. And um, so many people interpret this as a lying to the Spirit and God's judgment upon somebody who lies to the Spirit. (laughs) Is this possible? Of course not. It teaches us that fear of punishment is behind us. It's not the gospel. So either the Bible's full of double talk or there's something else going on here. And I think that this passage can only be interpreted in light of the finished work of the cross, the new heart, the new spirit that's filled with God's spirit and sealed for the day of redemption. That doesn't get unsealed. We know that. And so if we read this passage in light of this this being a a Christian, what, God just killed them? God just killed these people? Or or did peter kill these people for being bad christians uh, peter's violent tendencies came out you know he did he did slash off the ear of a guard and was probably going for the head you know when jesus got captured in the garden of gethsemane so yeah maybe he had some uh, violent tendencies and maybe he killed them there's a theory out there and, and you know i'm not going to i'm not going to hold back somebody from thinking into these things and these ideas it's not written Nobody, nobody, nobody tells us what actually happened. But I personally, I can't p- uh, picture Peter becoming a uh, like a communist dictator of this commune and killing people for doing wrong. I'm not I'm just not seeing that. It, you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's good to to explore all avenues. But I think that um, it's hard for somebody, for example, under the uh, under the confines of uh, free will. You know, I think it'd be harder to understand that uh, God would strike down a non-believer who who is filled with Satan. You know, maybe it's harder for them to come to terms with things like Judas was created from the beginning for destruction. It's hard to understand that when you when you uh, put the free will spin on things, you can't understand that. But the reality is that God God did those things. It's written. And um, you know, I, I I don't think there's anything beyond <laughs> the the context in those situations. It's written exactly. Uh, it's it's written exactly how it happened, and it's true. Um, so God is sovereign. His hidden will is is hard to comprehend. But but the getting back to the point, um, Satan Satan had filled their heart, so they were not saved. A saved person's heart does not get filled with Satan. And I don't think Peter was mistaking here. I don't think Peter was just being barbaric and, and blaming them and saying that. He could have been, but I, I don't see that being the case. I see, it, I see that this Ananias and Sarah, Sapphira thing is as simple as they weren't saved. They didn't have the heart. They didn't have the heart transplant. And Satan filled it, just like he filled Judas's heart because Judas hadn't been regenerated. He was just a disciple following Jesus. He hadn't been regenerated, and um, so um, anyhow, he. Uh, this is just a simple example of looking at things in the context of the gospel. So Ananias and Sapphira were were not saved. I believe that they were, they snuck in and infiltrated the ranks, and that's why when Luke writes, like everybody, everybody was on one page, and then there was this man named Ananias. And I think it just freaked out everybody because it was like having a mole amongst you. You know, all of a sudden you realize there was this spy amongst you, spying on your freedom. Satan had infiltrated this person's heart and was acting as one of them. And he was inside of their group. And uh, so at that time, Satan was doing all kinds of crazy things. He was just going wild before he got destroyed and put in his place, going wild in those days. And so I think they were scared of that. And uh, they, you know, I just think it was just terrifying for them to realize, like, we had this thing going. Satan snuck in here and we didn't even notice. That's what I think they were terrified about. You know, I heard it said that people were terrified because, uh, you know, God killed them. Or it it could be said that they were terrified because Peter killed them. And they're like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, there's all kinds of scenarios. It, it, It doesn't tell us what killed them. But I, I, I'm not shocked by the fact that God would have struck them down because Satan was in them. I'm not shocked by that personally. Um, but so anyhow, the, the, the key is, is that Satan can't fill your heart. They, they were clearly not believers. Otherwise that wouldn't have happened. It's impossible. (laughs) And, And all the, all the epistles from Paul especially would testify to that. And, um, yeah, so Jesus isn't gonna let demons in. He cleaned house. He came into your heart, and he's he's not allowing demons in. Demons aren't possessing you anymore. You can't if you're trying to use that as an excuse, uh, you know, for sin. I I have demons in my heart. Like no, no, if if I mean they can't touch you. Maybe maybe they can whisper in your ear. Maybe they can try to distract your mind. But they are not coming into your heart. Christian, so let's take rest in that. I just wanted to put that out there because you know, as one of a, a couple of passages that uh, can come off contrary to what we're given in Christ and our new hearts, and um, they're they're simply not saying what it you know that it's not what they're saying. So, wanted to clear that up. And I appreciate you joining in another episode of Waking Up to Grace. We're Waking Up to Grace Ministries, and check us out on Facebook. You can look at our videos on rumble and YouTube and definitely check out waking up to grace.com our, our favorite place. Uh, you know, the favorite project that I have in, in the works. So, uh, I, I pray that God is behind that and brings things to fruition at waking up to grace.com even more. Cause I, I'm having fun building that and uh, you should check it out. So, uh, yeah, love hearing your encouragement, everybody, you know, and, uh, you know, if you're on Facebook, I'm I'm really appreciating your guys's encouragement and it keeps me keeps me going, keeps me motivated to do more. Um. You know, sometimes even just looking at legalistic comments, it just encourages me more. So just realize if you post something that's, you know, mean and I'm just going to delete it, but it'll, it's just going to fuel the fire of grace. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy your day. Amen. And have a great day out there. Have a good rest of your weekend. Take care. God bless.